Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead. I am Len. I am your host for this week, and I am joined uh, for is this like the second day in a row, John, that we've recorded an episode together? Was it that... might well be. Yes, and the voice the voice you just heard is John Bolding. Stay high or introduce himself or whatever he wants. He doesn't Howdy. Have to. Oh, you're... <laughs> it's not. Is that what that is? <laughs> yeah that that was a that was tossing it to him that's uh that was yeah that's that, that was that was meant as a prompt but it's fine we'll 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 roll with it uh we also have our good friend rowan kaiser who is recording another show tomorrow so we're getting three in a row wow. that are going to come out across multiple weeks it's exciting it's a productive week here at the 3ma factory and uh once again by kotaku's luke plunkett i'm only joining you for one show so now i feel a bit left out but i'll do i'll do my best i'll do my best to enjoy this one how do you how do you feel about the civil war that's that's going on tomorrow um uh even though people the american uh, civil war we do have to make that distinction uh it's the civil war if you say the civil war people know you mean the american civil war from my colonialist perspective i mean an aussie might uh, since they don't have their own but yeah, they do. They have the, the time that the emus rose up and whooped their asses. <laughs> I don't know if that like, that counts as a civil war, but this might be a whole other podcast. This might be a whole other podcast. It's certainly less embarrassing than the time America lost to Canada, <laughs> which was today in history. By the way, they, they oh really down most of Washington D.C. and oh, we've felt bad about it ever since. Oh uh, well. <laughs> what we're actually here to talk about, uh, believe it or not, is uh, Total War Warhammer 3's Immortal Empires campaign. Um, Rowan, why don't you break down for us what exactly is Immortal Empires? Immortal Empires is a promise. It's the promise of every single fantasy kingdom you could ever think of. All those little toys being put in a put in a jar and you put a lid on the jar and you shake it up real good and pretend that's a war. And this is the promise that Creative Assembly and Sega and Games Workshop put out when they got the license to do Warhammer games like a decade ago. They said, at some point, we will finish all of our Total Total War Warhammer games and you will be able to play all of them across the entire fantasy world all at once. Everybody fighting dwarfs against ogres, against dark elves, against rat people, against festering, oozing, pus filled chaos warriors. That's the really exciting bit this time is that we get we get a lot of the festering and the ooze. Um, There is a lot of ooze. Yeah. It's uh, it's even bigger than that. It's yeah. basically that, yeah, the uh, Creative Assembly said at when they got the Warhammer license that we will be able to have like a full Warhammer fantasy game that combines all three games, all of, all of the expansions we do, all of the Warhammer races. Every army book is one that's on the table, um, and they have actually gone and done that, and it's wildly successful for how stupid stupidly awesome of an idea it is it's actually even bigger than that original promise we got in 2016 because 
In 2016, they said they wanted to do all of the 8th edition armies, and Cathay wasn't even in the cards. Cathay was like some flavor text at the bottom of like an RPG supplement or something. I think it was 6th um, and 7th edition armies. The 8th edition is like a bunch of merged ones. Right, yeah. All all the all the major ones that got books at least. Yeah, but um, we also got we also got the vampire pirates. Right. And and Norska, which was never never its own army. Yeah. But um So yeah, Norska Yeah, they uh Kislev was it like an older thing, but was not part of that initial initial group, but they said they might end up doing it at some point anyway, and I certainly didn't expect it to wait until Total Warhammer 3 since it was on the map in Total Warhammer 1, but we got our ice bears. Folks, there are yeah. ice bears. Yeah, then they saw they saw uh China became one of the fastest growing PC gaming markets and they released Three Kingdoms Rest in Peace and Moneyline went up and uh now we have Cathay as well. Um so it's actually quite a bit bigger than what they had initially planned the combined map to be. Which makes it even more kind of absurd that it actually works as well as it does. Um, I mean, like, especially for a beta. Uh, there is a history of video games promising that, like, you can combine this with other video games. It's not a massive one, in large part because it's such a massive pain in the ass. But, like, you can go back to Rules of Engagement, which was a um, space warfare ship, ship combat, and then there was a tactical game called Breach and you could put them together. So when you launched your space Marines into other spaceships, then you could go into the tactical mode and do that. And like, you don't yeah. know about these things because this is wildly ambitious, extraordinarily difficult to actually get two games talking to each other. This is a slightly different situation because they're all kind of built off the same thing. But uh, yeah, I Anyone who would have been skeptical of this would have been extremely right to be. Yeah, yeah. it's silly. Like, by no rights should you attempt this in the incredibly <laughs> unstable world of video games. Well, especially the unstable world of Total War games. Like, given the yeah. given the performance and load time issues that, that other games, including, like, literally the most recent game, have had, the idea of playing something this big and, and sort of sprawling should have filled every single person installing it with just, like, the utmost dread of, <laughs> like, Man, this thing's either going to slow to a crawl or completely crash or whatever, like five turns in. And it's just incredible that, like, not only does it work so well in terms of its design, but just that it works at all. And and saying it after, like, Warhammer 1 was successful, and I think that's when they started saying we want to do three games and we want to combine them all really sincerely. But, like, Warhammer 2 could have been trash. Mm -hmm. And then they would just looked like fools. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, it's but for some reason it worked. This is a company that has occasionally struggled with sequels. Or every, sequel. every yeah. 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 Um it honestly like the ambition of it reminds me in a weird way of like the Mass Effect trilogy where it's it's these three interconnected games that like they somehow made it work. The ending is still in both cases a little bit off, but we'll talk about that later. Um, Much less of a problem in this case. Yeah, massively ambitious, and they somehow pulled it off. Um, and I feel like we might not ever see anything like this again. Um, and I'm just kind of 
excited to be alive <laughs> when it happened, if that doesn't sound too dramatic. Uh, John, I know you're like kind of our resident Warhammer lore nerd person, and I'm curious how you think Immortal Empire stacks up as somebody who has followed the tabletop a lot more than uh, I think the rest of us here have. Well, in terms of in terms of representing the world of Warhammer, this is the most this is a more detailed version of Warhammer's old world than Games Workshop has published in 30 years. Like th this is an incredible show of what the amount the sheer amount of lore and characters and situations and scenarios that have been set up in the past for this world that have never actually been brought into one single game system before. Like in terms of experiencing this world, this is a more authentic experience than anything else you can do. And that that's shocking in I think probably to a lot of people who are fans of the Warhammer old world. But for some reason it took all this material getting outside of the closed walls of Games Workshop to become what it is now. Yeah, well, and like, people complain about the amount of DLC you have to buy to get access to everything, but uh, compared to like actually owning and <laughs> fielding armies, it's it's not really that much. Uh, uh, I mean, that's that's a little wild. Like, very few people actually attempt to collect lots and lots of warhammer tabletop armies true yeah i don't there's think a, it there's a small uh, small faction yes but no just like the the degree to which uh you can play all these factions many of which hadn't had by the time they stopped supporting warhammer fantasy battles which they don't and haven't now for a long time uh like chaos dwarfs hadn't been playable for like 15 years Right. Like they and went they out still in aren't. the late 90s. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, the uh, other other factions available. Norska hadn't been available since Warmaster, which was a completely different scale game. I mean, we're we're talking about material. The Fimir hadn't appeared in a Warhammer property since the 1980s. Yeah, I. I like Zotes, who I think they, they added to the Wood Elves. There was like some That'd debate about decade. whether they were even canon or not. I mean, they <laughs> might as well have, in terms of like deep Warhammer lore cuts, they might as well have added gnomes back into the fucking world. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. Um, Luke, what has your experience been with Immortal Empire so far? Uh, well, I just mentioned my first one, which was technical amazement because <laughs> i'd um yeah. i'd really struggled with just the base warhammer 3 experience um, i don't know whether it's because i was playing as cathay for most of the time or not but from like scrolling speed to load times to you know everything it had been an absolute sort of nightmare which i hadn't really experienced in the series since like to that degree since maybe empire which you know empire obviously had its own scale issues but um so once i could get over that um, my biggest surprise was just how well the idea of, like, they haven't just made it bigger. Like, there's so many other games where you could say, hey, we've made this X number of times bigger, and all you're doing is just doing the same thing, but more often, you know, or, it, and it's just a matter of, like, it's just a, a sheer quantity issue. 
making this world bigger and increasing the number of factions actually sort of dramatically changes the way you play the game. Like by by having it span whole continents and having that many factions available to you and that many adversaries and that many options to ally with, it sort of really sort of expanded the horizons of what was possible for me in a campaign. And I think the game does a really good job of that as well, where it sort of gives you Actually, I'll walk that back. This might be dependent on factions, but I've played some some campaigns as factions that give you objectives that are, you know, vast distances away on the map. And so they're sort of almost encouraging you to like, hey, we've built this huge map. It's got all these guys. We want you to explore. We want you to do all this stuff that you may not necessarily have done in smaller campaigns where you're more interested in just sort of painting the map. We want you to have a real sort of cross-continental, across-the-oceans adventure with this huge world that we've made. and. So that's been the thing that sort of really defined my time with it is like, hey, I'm actually approaching these campaigns and enjoying them on slightly different levels than I have sort of previous Total War games, which tend to sort of, you know, it doesn't matter about the setting or the time period. You can just tick the boxes and go through the motions and sort of do the same sort of Total War things over and over again. This feels different simply because it's bigger. Yeah, especially with the, the Warhammer 3 uh alliance mechanics where you can draw in units from your allies and the ai does this too and so the variety of things you encounter just playing the game is vast and it really sort of beefs up that narrative you know that a lot of the best sort of strategy games when you're playing a sort of single player mode and you're playing as the ai the best ones are the ones that form that sort of convincing storytelling narrative element where you kind of get sucked into characterizing an AI as someone who has, you know, traits and someone that you hate or that you want to gang up on or, or ally against or whatever. The the way that you can, this game encourages those really strong kinds of alliances sort of really helps with that as well. Like I'm, I'm playing a game as uh Bretonia, one of the Bretonian factions at the moment. And the way that it's sort of coalesced the, the high elves, the empire and the Bretonians into this kind of, Backs against the wall alliance against these other confederations and the end game threats has been like something that's that I've never encountered before and has been just amazing to experience that the AI can not only sort of instigate that, but that it actually feels fun to follow through with and play and feel like you're involved in this kind of alliance by yeah, being able to build the other units, which was was in Warhammer 3, but um and and that mechanic as well where you can give sort of rudimentary instructions to the AI, like, hey, let's defend this city because that's going to be the strategically important one or that's where they're aiming for or, or whatever was. Yeah, I, I think they would, the way they've managed to, in the absence of an actual story, the way they've managed to let you sort of construct your own and live through your own ones has been amazing. Well, this is also like one of the core problems with mortal empires the the warhammer 1 plus 2 was that that thing was never properly balanced like when it came out the chaos invasion was either extraordinarily powerful and aimed only at the player or functionally non-existent or whatever and that was your your big in-game <laughs> crisis that was supposed to be a thing and like sometimes it just made the game unplayable because you had 50 different chaos stacks slowly converging on your location in the middle of the ocean um, then by the time they got towards the end of it, they had the, what was called the order tide where all of the, um, all of the kind of good factions, the high elves, the dwarfs, 
the Empire would tend to just dominate all of the nominally bad factions like the Skaven and the Orcs and so on. And this was bad for like anybody that you played because um, if you were playing on the order side, you couldn't expand without declaring war on like the entire alliance that had taken over the map. And uh, it was obviously way, way harder to play as one of the non-order tied factions. So Mortal Empires just like had this feel of like, it's really cool that everyone is on the same map, but this is not like the fully functional experience. Um, I still, you know, tried. I'm sure yeah. a lot of us tried to have lots of fun with it, and there were ways to have fun with it, but it certainly it it felt yeah. like it felt like nobody had uh nobody had like or it felt like you went over to a friend's house and their their armies were so much bigger than yours that like it was cool to see the armies and play with your friend, but um it was like not an yep. experience that was designed to uh <laughs> have everyone feel like they were getting a fair shake um and like i care a lot more about this maybe than average like i want to see all the legendary lords last as long as they can i want to see them integrated instead of just kicked off the map and so on i i like to see i like to see everybody playing around but then this game comes along and it's like here's a bigger map that's basically doing exactly the same thing as mortal empires so all the problems you would expect to be bigger and now they're just gone like this is like luke said he was playing he's playing you know what the order tide would have been and he's got this back against the wall uh mentality i've been playing as uh as hag the slaughter in my main game the orc who's in the far north of the old world and like i'm doing quite well i have i'm typically you know one of the strongest factions here but there are six different uh, six different groups around me that are consistently poking and keeping wars up and I don't have like a real moment to rest. Uh, the pressure is right now, later in the game, it's, you know, immense and uh, it's been, you know, at least steady. But the the really interesting thing that I've noticed is that all the alliances are breaking down into like very specific smaller groups. So instead of like every dwarf and every human are joined together in an alliance it's like i'm sitting here with my best my best friend the the troll uh from norska um throg throg yeah, yeah. throg's on my side the other norskin faction has declared war on me and i've called throg in so that i'm like half allied with the norskin factions half against them ditto with vampire counts the vampire counts to my west my best friend, Sylvania, the vampire counts to my east, the Lamian Sisterhood, they're totally against me. I was friends with a bunch of Skaven. That that's mostly fallen apart, but I had one one group of Skaven, Clan Eshin, uh, my mortal enemy for many campaigns. Um and they've been against me. So I so like I I posted this on Twitter, but like when Total Warhammer 1 came out, I recommended that people play as the Empire for two reasons. First, they had a simple conventional combined arms, like you're not going to have weird stuff like really wanting cavalry and playing as the dwarves. Um, but the second reason is that they were like the only faction that was likely to fight against all four other factions. Five when the Wood Elves showed up. Um, they actually had orcs and dwarfs 
and vampires and other humans and obviously the warriors of chaos eventually but all of them would be enemies at the start whereas if you play as the dwarfs or the dream greenskins in that you're pretty much only fighting the other one for the entire game until the warriors of chaos show up and like now i'm fighting seven different races at once i'll go from a fight against imrek and the high elves to uh whoever the clan ashen guy is trench um trench yeah yeah to you know fighting against the dwarfs to uh all then kislev shows up with their ice bears sorry about that we had some cat drama um oh no worries uh yeah, the, the variety is pretty incredible, and they've done a very good job of interspersing a lot of different races in every single area. Um, you know, you've got you've got ogres in like the Border Princes area now. You've got uh they put Chaos Warriors right in the middle of the Empire, basically, with the brass the brass I can't remember if it's the brass fortress or the brass citadel, the the chaos gods build a lot of things out of brass apparently they're they're big into brass um and uh yeah um there's demons in lustria now um i played i played some of uh itza and they they have like corn and nurgle nearby in addition to bretonia now has a colony in lustria so yeah it's you're gonna end up fighting a lot of different races no matter where you start. And that's something that you know only could come from having at this point, six years of development to put out new race packs. And now finally they're all, you know, available on one map. Um, and, and also I think creative assembly realized that they wanted to specifically design towards having a variety of races in a variety of places that rhymes. Uh, and uh, having that, um they they realized that this was a good idea as they were putting it putting together all their Warhammer 2 expansions and people were like, "Oh man, I get to play as the Bretonians in Total Warhammer 2 and Mortal Empires in the Southern Continent. I get to play as the the Empire Hunter guy going through Lustria. Like this is really neat." So when they're announcing all the the you know, locations of each race and each faction for this game, you can see that they're actually like putting in the effort to not just jam every vampire count into vampire lands. So Manfred now Mm -hmm. starts way in the south. Like there's a lore related reason for that. I know that much Warhammer uh, lore, Uh, but also just now there's a major vampire count faction in the middle of the Southlands in the desert surrounded by every every other fucking faction and it's you know clearly intentional design to make sure that uh every race has somebody in every in every portion and especially uh taking the demons of chaos lords from warhammer 3 and scattering them all across the southern parts of the map uh i like how it says oh yeah this guy just decided to move to the southlands because you know in the total warhammer 3 campaign those guys are all like sort of in in fantasy siberia uh, and now they've just sort of tinkered with everything to put them in really interesting and weird locations that probably make for really fun campaigns, both for and against them. I know that uh, the Leech Lord off in the Empire, um, I think he's one of the new ones and not one of the ones who's moved. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it, now there's just like a big Nurgle presence in the North Empire. That's a lot of fun to just watch the ebbs and flows of that battle. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's them realizing that Warhammer is most fun when you can think of a funny reason for anyone to be fighting anyone else. Yes. <laughs> you don't even need Stargates or whatever to do that. Just kind of make it up. Age of Sigmar, yeah. They, they got a boat or something? I don't know. Let's just go for it. Yeah, you know, uh, Zinch is causing trouble down in the Southlands, so Teclis was like, yeah, somebody should go do something about that. I guess it's me. Um, Fantasy Antarctica. Let's fucking roll. Why not? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Of like all the deep... strange things, too, yeah. from a Warhammer lore perspective, adding that southern continent, which has never been spoken of outside of like the most maligned <laughs> products from original Warhammer fantasy and just being like, yeah, you can go there. Fuck it. Uh, uh, it's, it's a ballsy move. Who have you played so far, John? I have played uh, as the Plague Father, uh, as the big nerd old demons faction, which is a really, really fun start. Uh, it's really strong. It's got that thing going on, right? Where like within a few turns, you're fighting ogres, you're fighting undead, you're fighting greenskins, you're fighting elves, you're fighting Skaven immediately right right off the bat there's a bunch of interesting things to fight in the first 50 turns uh and then you're rolling towards Cathay or you're heading towards the empire i did that for a while i uh i took on some of the beastman factions just to see what the starts were like because i always kind of enjoy those um they used to have really bad ones but they're great now i love them that you can start as kazrak one eye in the middle of the empire surrounded yeah, by right. absolute insanity in every direction and just watch the chaos unfold as like Festus, the Leech Lord's Nurgle horde comes in and vampires spill out of nowhere and poor yep. NPC Carl Franz desperately tries to hold everything together. I even went to what I thought was going to be the most boring part of the map, which is Lustria, the southern sort of South America-esque continent, where usually in the past it was just like lizards doing lizard stuff, and now it's got questing bretonian knights and imperials and skaven and vampire pirates and dwarfs like it just it has all the things you could want right there there's just like a, an appropriate amount of insanity and what i think is a really valuable change is that you can jump through those sea lanes that send you uh that, that wrap around the map basically right like uh-huh if you get bored playing one of those sort of new world factions like the Dark Elves or the Lizardmen, where there's the teensiest little bit less variety than the rest of the world, you can always just be like, you know what, let's let's go to China. Yeah, why not? Uh, I did that with Valkia because there's that there's the one that runs underneath Nagaroth that will yeah. take you from like the the northern part of Nagaroth to southern Nagaroth. And then you can just hop in the one right next to so that, which takes you to Cathay. It's like, yeah, I'm in Cathay now. Sure. Um, yeah, Luke, who have you gotten to try out so yeah, far? Yeah, it's because you just you just mentioned that, John. My the the last campaign I'm playing at the moment is that Bretonian um southern continent landing spot, which like I'd never considered or or <laughs> tried before. And it's it's been amazing. I'm playing these questing French knights, sort of slogging these enormous horses <laughs> <laughs> like through the jungle. Fighting Lizardmen, it's silly, well, but it's great. It is, yeah, it's great. Like the the, the contrast <laughs> is like incredible. And then you mentioned all the races that are there by default, but I've somehow also managed to like the. I've found the game has this tendency to, as you send, like I've been sending agents out to just sort of uncover the map. As I do that, from a certain position of strength, everyone I encounter just declares war on me <laughs> instantly. So I, <laughs> um, 
like not only have I been fighting lizard men and vampires and uh, who else turned up? The vampire pirates. Um, I've also been getting like seaborne invasions from elves and from other Bretonian factions who, for some reason, hate my guts. Um, and it's just been this real like. Yeah, my first game in Immortal Empires was I just wanted to play as the Empire just to sort of get into that um, sort of melting pot of sort of seeing so many of the other races and stuff. But it was it was cool, but I also found myself sort of bogged down in the same kind of map I did in the first game, whereas this... And then I tried a couple of other ones. Um, I tried the High Elf. I, I'm, I'll say this now. I'm so, Apologies to all serious Warhammer fans. I know nothing about Warhammer fantasy lore. So I, I like I don't know the legendary laws. I don't know the content names or anything like that. So what I'm about to say, if it sounds overly simplistic, I'm sorry, but I played the dragon dude, the high elf guy that starts in the desert, um, like just to try that out. And even that was cool as well. But um, nothing has been as interesting as yeah that the my Bretonian, my current Bretonian campaign in the jungle because I've managed to sort of conquer most of that southern continent with my allies, the Imperial Huntsman guy, sort of to the north, holding off the vampires. And now I'm free to sort of do that overseas expansion sort of colonizing thing, which is always like some of the most interesting adventure part of a Total War campaign. And yeah, I think that has been my highlight for sure. Yeah, I was thinking like about that start and about how like maybe they should give Halberic like some new troops to play with because it doesn't really make sense that you know, you'd be using these like 15th century heavy cavalry to conquer a jungle. And then I was like, wait, none of this makes sense. What am I even talking about? I'm also surprised that for for the human faction, so much of that continent says, because you know, you get the the little indicators next to the settlement name saying sort of, hey, how hospitable is this to your faction? And nearly the entire southern continent is like bright green. It's like, yeah, you guys are totally fine here. It's totally fine. You are a... 15th century French knight wearing head to toes like a steel armor. Yeah. It's it's stinking hot humidity in the middle of a jungle, but it's fine. You're totally fine. You, you, you're definitely not going to dehydrate to death. Yeah, um, in the middle well, of this. Like the, the hunts- it's cool. They've got the the blessing of the ocean god, yeah. right? Yeah. So if they're if they're covered in water, I think that makes that stronger. That's probably how that works. Because the hunt marshal has that whole mechanic where, like, the more you expand, the more you piss off the lizards. So maybe maybe Alberic needs something similar to that because it does seem like he has a pretty easy time just getting along with everybody except for the Skaven and the demons, obviously, who are also there. Um, and the Dark Elves. Sometimes Rakarth, I think it is, is he's over in the Turtle Isles now, and I've seen him carve a pretty big chunk out of Lestria if he gets going too. Um, yeah. Uh, it, I, I'm I guess so it's a beta, right? They they've said they're releasing it as a beta, which I suspect maybe had something to do with the fact that um people were not super hot on like the Warhammer 3 roadmap they put out after like two months of silence back in you know whenever that was. That was like uh and for our big 1.3 patch, we'll be making this minor tweak to the AI and some small quality of life changes. Um, I feel like somebody at, at Creative Assembly just went, we we, get, we need to get this in people's hands, even if it's not done. Um, and there's clearly some like beta-y stuff about it. Like I know corruption. Oh, there definitely are. 
like chaos corruption on the map. Sometimes it'll have like a perfectly angular square border. Like they haven't gone in and tweaked that yet. Um, yeah. I, there's not much of a starter experience. Like it kind of just like drops you in. Whereas it used to have like that nice flyover where it's like, my Lord, we have found ourselves in the veil of such and such. Please watch out because those beast men, they're going to get you like there's that's not there yet. And I kind of miss that. Um, but from a technical standpoint, at least I'm pretty impressed with how well it's run. Um, yeah, the, the technical stuff is what impressive me impresses me the most. There's little oversights here and there, like a tooltip will refer to a mechanic from the Realms of Chaos Warhammer 3 campaign and not to everything that's going on in Immortal Empires or uh, some bu unique buildings that a faction is supposed to have access to just don't exist if they conquer certain settlements, things like that. But I think those are the kind of vast oversights that were probably inevitable. Yeah, uh, I think... Yeah, go ahead. I think also, like, this is another thing where their experience with Mortal Empires is making this game vastly improved because, like, a year and a half into having Mortal Empires, they were like, okay, we've decided that we're going to, you know, release a patch that's entirely focused on, like, making this game run faster. And so mm -hmm. I loaded it up, and it did. It ran, like, three times faster than previous Mortal Empires when you pressed in turn. It was astonishing. Like previously, Mortal Empires had uh, run, you know, you press in turn and it's kind of like Rome 2, but it's an understandable Rome 2 was just a complete slog for no good reason where this is, all right, there's 200 <laughs> factions on the map. Like, of course, pressing in turn is going to take a while. There's no way they could possibly make this better. And then they just drop a patch. It's like, we made this better. And like, yeah, so now we have this game that starts with 276 factions. And yeah, pressing in turn does take a a bit of time but like it's not an amount of time where i'm like oh god i should go get a book um right it's an amount of time that's like all right uh you know catch my breath maybe play on my next turn a bit all right here we go and um you know this is stuff that's paid dividends like all down the line was like mortal empires was mortal empires was really the beta this is not like a perfect product, but this is way more of a finished product than Mortal Empires actually was. Like, I understand why they put beta on it. I understand if people start finding a bunch of things that are, are totally fucked up. Uh, Fraser linked an article from PC Gamer from someone who played the, uh, the Dark Elf who like automatically gets a black arc every time he conquers a port going to cafe. And <laughs> it's so oh no. funny though. <laughs> like that, that's obviously some balancing issues that could be yeah. fixed. I played a little campaign as Gorok in the jungles of Lustria and he gets like hit one of his early uh, story quests that says like, um, go sack or raise three settlements belonging to this faction, colon, and then there's nothing there. And then, like, the flavor text says that this is supposed to be the Skaven, but I go and fight the Skaven and nothing happens. So, like, I can't get that th those cool weapons for that guy. And that's that's annoying. That's, that's uh, you know, a thing where if I was desperately wanting to play as Gorok and this happened, uh, I might be a little upset, but like there are 85 other lords who work, including three other lizards in Lustria. So, uh, yeah, this is not 
This is not major stuff. And this is like in better shape than mortal empires. It's, it's incredibly impressive as we discussed at the start, but also it's just really fucking fun. Didn't they yeah. say though the beta, like the whole point of the beta was it's, it's less, they're less using that terminology on a technical basis and more on a, a sort of content roadmap basis. Like this is a beta because it's functional and it's here, here are, here is the, the jar of toys that you mentioned in the intro that you can shake up and, and pretend it's a war. But like, I, I feel like it's, it's stuff like the end game and the quests and the missions that are sort of what's going to get worked on and, and added to and improved over time. Cause like the technical stuff, I think we'd all agree that was inevitable. Like you were never going to be able to test every combination of, of every faction and every Lord doing every sort of quest in every region kind of thing. But um, it does sort of feel like functionally the table is set and, and it's, it's there. Yeah. The hard by this sort of series standards, it's it's those it's that flavor that's missing. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's also the thing where at this scale of game, how how do you even ensure that everyone on the QA team knows what's supposed to be there? <laughs> right, like when's the last time someone on the QA team played a Beastman campaign and remembered they were supposed to have uniquely named Herdstone buildings for all the major faction capitals? Twenty seventeen. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, Do any of those yeah. people still work at Creative Assembly? To, That's why projects of this scale never happen. To to go on with what Luke said, yeah, they Creative Assembly managed to get the hard part done. They have game balance done really well. They have the technical stuff done really well. They have kind of the whole concept, placing all the legendary lords in different places, which might not be that big to change, but it's it's fun now. Um, all those things are down and then just like tweaking to make sure that everybody has everyone has their full outfits. Uh, the Chaos Dwarves have a place to go when they show up. Um, the Border Lords or whatever also seem to be seem to be likely. But yeah, the the stuff that Mortal Empires never quite got right because it seemed like too insanely big to ever get right is already right here. Yeah. Um... So this this new end game that they've added is uh for one thing it's very customizable which is my favorite thing about it you can kind of like not only say what turn it's going to arrive but you can like uh, set a range set, of in what turns for it to arrive set the so set can, the stage for this for someone who hasn't clicked on that new button new campaign button right so it used to be that in in the old world campaign and in mortal empires after about like 150, 200 turns, I think there were actually two different waves of it. One that was smaller that came earlier and one that was bigger that came later. Archaon and uh, his 30 friends, uh, like Half Thor Bjorkson and Bjork Half Thorson and Bjork Bjorkson and all these just random chaos lords who. Okay, this is, those are more. all of your best friends. Let's be real. <laughs> like are, this is this is I, what hey, you write your fanfic about. Is Thor Bjorkson is yeah, we, he, we're we're tight. Um but uh yeah, so they they would show up and just start desolating the world. Um in the old world campaign, yeah, obviously cuz the map was smaller, they would tend to sort of like push everybody out to the edges and then in in Mortal Empires it was it was a lot more chaotic, not like in the sense that they worship the chaos gods, but in the sense that they would just kind of go wherever 
And sometimes it was cool and sometimes you didn't even know it was happening. Um, what they have done now is that they have created, I think there's currently seven or eight different versions of this. Weirdly, Chaos is not one of them. Um, there's one for Tomb Kings. There's one for vampires. There's one for dwarfs. There's one for orcs. Um, there's... I don't remember what all of them are, but basically it will turn that race into the endgame faction where they get a bunch of stacks and like all of the survivors of that race declare war on everyone else and go out and start conquering stuff. So you might have the Great Walk or you might have like the Vampire Apocalypse or you might have the Skeleton Apocalypse with the followers of Nagash. Um... Nagash is is mentioned and he's actually like hinted at in the art, but he doesn't appear in the game as a unit yet. Although everyone's like, yeah, OK, how long until they had Nagash at this point? Um, big, bad necromancer guy. He created all the undead. It's a long story. Um, and uh, yeah, but you can adjust how how strong it is um, up to. I think 200% of, of normal is the max. You can adjust when it happens and you can also pick a specific one or you can just check and uncheck certain boxes. So like if you're playing as the Empire and you're like, it wouldn't really make sense for the dwarfs to be my end game rival, you can just turn that one off. And um, I found that I played it on 150 and the first campaign I played, I got the Wood Elf one and I thought it was a little underwhelming. Um, like I was, that was the, the, the game where I was playing Itza who start right in the middle of Lustria. And I was, I had made it over to the Southlands and like it said, Talson Orion's faction was the strongest faction. And I ended up running into a couple of his armies in like the border princes area and fighting him. But when I actually got over there, like I was expecting all of the old world to just be wood elves. And it really wasn't. They just had like some random armies running around ransacking stuff. So I feel like the the AI tuning on that might not be quite there yet. But I'm curious if any of you have had a different experience. I think it's probably highly dependent on which ones you get. Um, I the only game in which I had it show up uh, while I was still playing was the game in which I was playing as Nurgle and I got the dwarf. Dwarf Apocalypse or Stunty Tide, as I like to call it. Uh, <laughs> and that was pretty disastrous for me because I was playing as the faction, which is sort of notoriously bad at dealing with ultra heavy armored units. Uh, <laughs> and so this horde of dwarf stacks just comes rolling out of out of nowhere with, uh, at least for me, some of the really high end dwarf units you never really get to see in great numbers. Uh, and just started destroying everything they encountered. Like the the empire had been barely hanging on, and within ten or so turns of that starting, the empire was really strong again and doing great because dwarves had just come spilling out of the mountains and murdered everything between themselves and the sea that wasn't like their traditional allies. Right? They just wiped out the vampires in like two turns, wiped out the the chaos guys, uh, and then turned turned around and started coming in the other direction for me. And that was really fun. Uh, I felt like I was genuinely fighting for my life, like a real defense in depth. I was having to give up settlements and have armies retreat turn after turn just to hold off their advanced groups before I was able to turn around and fight them. So I was very satisfied with how it went for me. 
Yeah, I've I've had a, a an up and a down experience. I had the the orcs. I think it's the great war. War. I don't want to say uh-huh. it like they say it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the war. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But that was on my what's the southern continent called? The jungle one. Who knows? That was that. Okay, that was that campaign, and there were no orcs. Okay. The the end game works by spawning. Uh, Stacks of units sort of not in one place. It spawns them everywhere that that faction has sort of been seeded to. And there were no orcs there at all. And so it was like, eh, like it, the orcs were there. I could see them in the, in the other continents and regions that I'd sort of started branching out to, but I never felt that sense of, of that sort of rolling wave that was coming to, to really threaten my expansion. Um, my first campaign, though, is the Empire. I got the Vampire Uprising. That was bad (laughs) because I'd expanded far enough that I ran into like multiple stacks of stacks. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that was probably like in in the history of Total War games that I've ever played, that was the fight of my life. Like they um, just, there's so many of them and they spawn at such a high level as well um, that I didn't have enough armies at a sort of, level to match that quality of unit and leadership of their of their hero units that yeah i got absolutely rolled um they didn't wipe me out i managed to sort of eventually stabilize things but yeah um that was my first game too and so that sort of really set the tone for it i was like oh this this end game thing's great and then so by the time you know my next few games i didn't i didn't get that far the current game with the bretonians it didn't it was underwhelming it's like oh okay it's not amazing sort of everywhere you go. It's sort of highly dependent on where you are on the map, who you're allied to, you know, that, that kind of stuff. But if you do manage to tick those boxes, um, it's great fun, which is why I think the placement and the sort of pacing of these uprisings are probably priority number one for the updates and, and sort of future tweaks to this game. Because I feel like the basic principle works that it's like, hey, we've got the the old chaos invasion from the north thing, but instead of that sort of predictable thing, we're going to have it scattered all across the map so it affects everybody. Like, that's cool, but uh, just the actual placement of the scattering is a bit too dependent on luck and who you're playing as, so I'd like to see that maybe sort of cleaned up a little or adjusted depending on who you're playing and where you're playing. So in my my Azhag campaign, I'm at about turn 100 where I think it should have given me a notification as to what is happening, but I have not gotten a notification. Um, but so I, I, I never, I never changed that limit and I got it at a turn 115. Okay. So I, I think that's the default. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely, well, they, I think I, there's I like one that you, says if there's supposed to be a warning, like the chaos, yeah. Chaos yeah, invasion big, in the previous games had a thing that said, oh, a, you know, a dark wind is rising, rising in the Northlands, like 20 yeah, so turns confusingly before. you get, smaller notifications for events that match the events that are the big end game scenarios. Like you constantly get wild hunt and notifications and stuff like that in the top right of the screen. But when it's your specific end game scenario, it's like a bigger yeah. of the screen. Yeah. No, I, I, nice I haven't seen up. any indicator, but what I have seen, which is very funny is that like at roughly 100, I'm seeing Archeon who is like, usually the number one strength rated thing on the diplomacy screen, unless I happen to have just pipped him on it. Um, 
I see Archeon like marching through Kislev with two giant stacks. And I don't know how many he has behind him, but uh, it's just funny to see that chaos is actually still coming, even though something else might happen somewhere else in the world. Um, so That's like, funny because I had that exact situation happen two days ago, but in Illustria. Illustria? Whatever. Yeah, those, those two guys, two full stacks came came in behind <laughs> my sort of enemy line. So maybe that's a sort of entree to the main meal of, yeah. of the end game scenario, well, where they where the AI specifically sends those two strongest guys sort of nipping at your heels, and then yeah. well, he's not at war with me. I'm domain. just watching him. <laughs> well, that's oh, I, got, I okay. So I got they, I had the exact same scenario. I had them two full stacks, but they actually did declare war on me and and sort of attacked my soft underbelly and and took some settlements off me. And that was maybe 10 turns before I triggered the endgame scenario. So that's funny that you mentioned that because yeah. you're very close to the to when I triggered the endgame scenario as well. So but, that's but, what makes me think, oh, maybe that's a neat little like entree to the disasters that are coming. But also, Basically, like, I have been have noticing just... that he's like just kind of hovering over the map waiting. Um, I, I've been watching him on the diplomacy screen like slowly climbing climbing the strength ratings seeing that his empire might be getting a little bit closer to mine um because like the reason i'm playing as Azhag is that i played a bunch of mortal empires campaigns and it was just way too hard to actually like survive chaos while pushed up on like the the very invasion point um and so I thought that like being able to go east would actually, you know, allow a release valve. And it has, if chaos were to be the invasion thing that happened here, uh, that would that I would still be in okay shape. But it's just also funny that he's still there being a potential threat and like looming over the game in the way that uh he didn't really as a character or as a normal faction in Total Warhammer 1 and 2, uh, he just, like, spawns at some point. Um, but if you played as the Warriors of Chaos, then you would be, like, Archaon in the north, like, killing everybody and trying to get that invasion going on your own. And it seems like it's actually kind of balanced itself so that he's able to do that uh, by himself playing the game normally. Yeah, so this is my theory is that they're talking they've talked about there's going to be this big patch at the end of the year that's going to be, you know, when 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 we launch out of beta and into the full release of Immortal Empires. I think the fact that we don't have a chaos scenario yet means that they're saving it and we might even see something where there can be multiple end game scenarios. Um so yeah, they they have uh yeah. it looks like they're going to say that there is a toggleable option that turns on every single in-game scenario at the same time uh, coming in that's one of those a, next patches. That seems that seems bad. I think they're calling it Ultimate Crisis Mode. Um, and did, they are, in fact, doing it. They, they're also... Did Grant you know, Morrison they, write this? <laughs> I wrote it, and well, I am delighted. Oh, okay. Um... Yeah, so because I was yeah, talking so earlier. Update two point one will allow you to trigger all in-game scenarios in the same save game at the oh, same okay. time. There's Great. also been some data mining done that there are several unimplemented in-game scenarios, like some sort of chaos elector that turns parts of existing chaos or existing imperial 
uh, factions into Ooh. chaos factions and things like that. Um, so I expect that they have bigger plans that they weren't able to immediately implement. Right. Seeing well, as this my... is probably the largest, most complicated campaign ever released for a strategy video game. Well, because I mentioned earlier that you would have these, this like giant army where like 90% of it is, you know, half Thor Bjorkson and Bjork half Thorson. They now have enough playable chaos legendary lords that they could have that same size invasion happen and all of the stacks would be led by like a named lore character. And I want to see that so bad. Like, I want to see a giant army that's got like Snar Scarbrand and Kugath and, uh, you know, Valkia and Village and Archaeon and Kolek and Sigvald. I just want them all to be just a giant wave of destruction where like every battle you fight, it's against some notable chaos character. That felt like uh, um, one of those like Helvetica t-shirts with ampersands <laughs> after all the character names. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Let's um, let's talk about was... chaos a little because this is also a major revamp. Yeah, it's so good. I love the new Warriors of Chaos so much. I want them. I kind of want them to add this to everybody, but it's like you start with Marauders. You can devote then devote them to any of the four gods, depending on what faction you're playing, some of them can only pick one. Um, like uh, like uh, Valkia can only do corn. Uh, but then you upgrade them from Marauders to Warriors to Chosen. And then there's like side paths where you can turn them into cavalry or you can turn them into Forsaken or whatever. Um, and I just I love just I name every single one of my Marauders like this is the this is the warband of the bear. Oh. This is the war band of the cold river. And I, I like, I'll remember what they did in specific battles and be like, ah, yes, I now elevate you to chosen uh, status. And, I think it's great. Uh, Cause it lets, yeah. it lets Lynn role play in that specific way that Lynn yeah, likes. This is, this is the happiest me, we've ever seen her. Let's it's, me name mine. Like Steve's lads and the boys from across town. <laughs> You got them. You got them from like the inner city empire. You you were tired of recruiting these Norskins who are always, you know, really dour. And uh, yeah, I just I mean, I, yeah. I just want I just think it would be nice if yeah. I know I know we're having a crusade for the dark gods and impaling our enemies <laughs> and all that. But I just think the atmosphere could be a little cheerier. Um, and this is also important because like the warriors of chaos have been the big bad guys for two games plus mortal empires plus just like i've been fighting those fuckers for seven years at this point right uh-huh and they haven't yeah. revamped them ever and i like maybe i want to play as them but i don't especially like hordes so well eh, I don't know. and they always start in the same place they never did the thing where they started splitting up the legendary lords to be in a different place and now they have split up all three of those legendary lords they have added five more including Bellacor, but also the four from the um, who are like already tilted towards each of the, the chaos gods, but they're still under the warriors of chaos faction. Um, mm -hmm. And like they've scattered them over the map so that if I want to play as a warrior of chaos invading Nagaroth, there's a cool Cornite Valkyrie of doom that I can, I can start a campaign with. And like, it, this is just, some of this is at some level overdue and I don't know, like maybe they've had this revamp ready to go for like five years, but they're like, no, we gotta, 
we got to launch this at the right time. Um, but regardless, I, I they always sort of, I, I would expect the development team always sort of resented being uh, forced to rush out a chaos faction as a yeah. Which I think yeah, is and like, what happened. You can talk about the lore and how they've all never been able to divvy up chaos right and but just They never like, have. And, it's the funniest thing. And I love that they still haven't. It just doesn't necessarily make yeah. sense who's been assigned to what air quote faction with its overarching mechanics. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't do it well and it's awesome. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's exactly how it's always been. It's Sigvald just is yeah, Sigvald is like this extreme edge case where he has He's clearly a slanish lord, but he also, to separate him from Azazel, he has the ability to devote his units to any of the four gods still. It's because Sigvald's just that hot. (laughs) Yeah, you know. Um, Yeah, you can can upgrade uh, uh, lords and sorcerer lords. Your, like, non-legendary lords can become demon princes now. It's so cool. Um, Yeah, and, and, like, these guys... (laughs) <laughs> it's been a pain in the ass to play as these or to play against these guys specifically because it's just wave after wave of boring ass cavalry over and over. And sometimes they throw axes, but most of the time you just charge. <laughs> you just have these guys charge into you. And like this is the end game. And like Warhammer 2 added some Skaven stack spawning in the end game. And that was cool. But yeah, I have I have been waiting for this aspect of the game to get given more variety for since basically total warhammer one was released and they succeeded at doing it oh and they, they did added, they really like, did they added like 38 new units too because there's now versions of basically every mortal unit that the warriors of chaos had there's an undivided version and a version for all four different gods and the god aspected versions are also now available to the demons of chaos factions. So if you're playing like, you know, demons of Nurgle, you now have access to warriors of Nurgle and chosen of Nurgle and horse guys of Nurgle, which feels good. Um, it really helps yeah. to round out some of those factions, especially they like really Nur- needed Nurgle it. and Slanesh. We never felt and like Siege. they had yeah, enough. They, they were units. missing stuff. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Luke, have you played at all with any of the new Chaos Warrior stuff? No, I've just been smiling and nodding for the last five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> as I, I, I don't know the lore and I haven't played as the Chaos Gods yet. So and it's perfect okay, cool, because this really cool. does uh, replicate the tabletop Warhammer experience of <laughs> having to smile and nod while someone else intricate, intricately explains their favorite faction's okay. lore at you. So, so here's here's the one piece that I need to just make it perfect. This would be like my dream chaos faction because they have, you can start with Marauders, upgrade them to Warriors and upgrade them then to um, Chosen. And then there's even a, a, a level above that, which is Aspiring Champions, which currently is only for Undivided, but I'm assuming the other four gods will get their version of Aspiring Champions eventually. And then you have the, the Chaos Lords and the Chaos Sorcerer Lords that can be upgraded to Demon Princes. There's also, for some reason, a path where you can take these Aspiring Champions, these fully upgraded guys, and turn them into chaos spawn, which is like they got too many mutations or they pissed someone off and now they're just these hulking mutated messes. Completely think, accurate to, to lore, for the record. I think in order to get another chaos lord slot in the campaign, you should have to upgrade a marauder all the way to aspiring champions, 
And then you should have to click that button that downgrades them into spawn. And the one guy who survived, who made it through and was able to handle the mutations, goes into your Lord pool and then can finish the path to Demon Prince. That would be amazing. I would lose my mind if they added that. That Just would, something that would to rule. think about. <laughs> Just something to think about, Creative Assembly, if you're listening to this. Um, if anyone from Creative Assembly is listening to this. Those upgrade then, paths are actually also really <laughs> satisfying because of yeah. how that works, where the units get smaller because of what unit they are, right? Like, when they're mm. Marauders, it's like a 160-person you know, unit, and then when they're Warriors of Chaos, it's like 120, and then when they're Chosen, yeah. it's 80. And by the time they're aspiring champions, it's like a 16 person unit. Right. Yeah. Because everyone else either died or they got too many mutations and turned into Forsaken or something. And yeah, um, it's real good. New New Warriors of Chaos. Highly recommend. And I, I think um, it's interesting, too, because <laughs> sometimes it's it's often boring to play the evil factions in games. They're often the least interesting mm -hmm. designs. And I'm really pleased that the Warriors of Chaos faction design is not literally just uh, reduce everything to ruins. It's defeat your enemies and then watch the swarming hordes of your devotees colonize the ruins behind you. Right. And there's so much less micromanagement because the only settlements you really care about are those dark fortresses, which are generally there's like a line of them across the top of the map, like the chaos wastes. and then. On top of that, most of the faction capitals, major faction capitals, can become a dark fortress. But other than that, you have these Norskin vassals who just take everything over behind you and you don't have to deal with buildings and they pay you taxes. And it's it's wonderful. Um, it's, it's a much, much better design than the old horde thing, even though they they do still have that, like, you have to be in like a chaos tainted area to recruit people. Otherwise, there just aren't enough shirtless dudes willing to pledge themselves to corn or whatever um but yeah I, I really i really like it um well really all you have to do to do is go back to 1999 am i right folks hey -o. uh so final thoughts on uh on immortal empires uh luke do you want to start it's big it's good it now makes me want other games to get needlessly bigger like maybe FIFA would be better with with forty players on the field or something. I don't know. Maybe we should try it out. It's uh, definitely it's definitely been excellent here. Just make a a football manager mod. Uh, somebody actually did with this with Crusader Kings three, where you can export it to Mountain Blade two, fight the battle, and then port the battle results back into Crusader Kings. So they should have a football manager mod where when you play a match, it exports it to FIFA. And then brings those results back over into Football Manager. Yes. Creative Assembly, if you're listening, that is what we want first. Total War. Yep. Premier League. Total Football Manager. John. It's uh, the collaboration we want, you cowards. What would be your final thoughts on uh, Immortal Empires? I just. Beta? I mean, I think I've said this a thousand times. I'm just amazed that it works. I, I mean, it. Yeah. It's just such an impressive thing that this even loads up and functions and is is meaningfully playable. We've had other impressive attempts to network games together, like the Field of Glory series. They they combined their Empire's grand strategy with their war game aspect. It worked pretty good, but I mean, 
nothing on this scale has been attempted at this production value with a strategy game ever. And I think it's just so delightful to see it functional, to see it work. It's just really satisfying to watch it happen and incredibly fun to play. I just, I, I, I love it for that reason. I love that they tried. I love that somebody gave the thumbs up on this. Um, and I, I'm also even optimistic about its future. Oh yeah, I would. Which I would, don't always say. I would. Have help. you ever said you're optimistic about any future? Uh, I am optimistic about the future of my garden scraps when I put them in the compost bin. <laughs> that's that's it, really. I would hope that they will continue to support this for many years to come. Um, I, I know the DLC for Warhammer Two sold really well, so yeah, I would love to still be playing this like five years from now. Um, Rowan, final thoughts on Immortal Empires? Um, yeah, game good. Like, I don't know. It was <laughs> like I've been playing this game for six years, right? Uh, mm. When I first loaded it up, you know, I was distracted by the Civil War game where we Rob and I are recording on tomorrow. Uh, I was uh, sort of doing it out of obligation. I didn't expect too much. And so for two weeks, I just kind of like got up to 70 turns or so with my campaign. And then like two days ago, I reloaded it because I was like, all right, we've got the show coming. I really need to go deep in and just suddenly, you know, I'm having this great battle against Imric as he's wandering through the mountains to I don't know why he has traveled far to the north to fuck me up. But uh, now I have mammoths fighting <laughs> dragons. And then I turn around the next turn and like I've taking on a massive Skaven ambush. And I managed to just barely squeak out of it. Um, and then, you know, the wood elves are attacking me from the West. And now I'm fighting against the dryads. And like all of a sudden it's clicking like, oh, right. This is a game that I, at a gut level, it's like, oh, right. This is a game that I actually do really like. And I am not completely done with it like this is this is the exciting thing that i hoped it would be let's let's fucking roll man yeah it's i guess like i'm almost just echoing what john said but like it's almost like i can't believe that this exists like i i can't believe that they actually pulled it off and that it, you know it, it works as well as it does and there's so I mean, they could add nothing to it, and I would probably still be playing it two years from now, just because it would take that long to oh. try out all of the starts that I want to play. Like one, it's one yeah. thing that I did want to mention, like as yeah. we say that it's amazing that this exists and it took so long. Like I do know sometimes that when video game companies hear that and they've been crunching horribly and whatever, that they take that as a sign that they they did the right thing by abusing their workers. And I don't know. I have no knowledge either direction how mm -hmm. Creative Assembly works, but uh, I definitely do not want to be seen as endorsing this kind of uh, thing if it happens to have come out that way, because that does that does happen in video game history. Um, when people say things like that, uh, those articles about Dragon Age Inquisition in particular are the ones I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah, it, it is hopefully 
true. I hope I hope it's true that this was produced under relatively positive conditions, and that's why it's coming out as a beta. Hopefully, we don't find out later that it was a gruesome hellhole. Well, people have people have been kind of salty about like how little DLC Crusader Kings Three has gotten um, compared to like how much CK Two and EU Four had in their first couple years, and I'm just thinking, well, if they're being given all the time they need to like make DLC at a comfortable pace. I would much rather have less DLC per year yeah, there, uh, and just know that the devs are being treated well. So there was also a pandemic yeah. that too that Still also is. happened. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, I think it's even, even in like a beta state, I would say it's definitely worth tra- checking out immortal empires now. Very excited to see where it's going to go. Um, there's lots of rumors about who they're going to ha- add. I mean, Chaos Dwarfs are almost confirmed. There's already voice files in the game for the advisor guy going, you know. My oh, lord, Chaos, Chaos Dwarfs are on the horizon. Yeah, exactly. That guy. Um, I mean, yeah, they, they're the one Wars, army but... book from the 6th and 7th edition that hasn't come out, and they've been rumored heavily since total warhammer 2 like with leaks and stuff and right um, and yeah. like all their all their settlements are there and right now the factions that are there are like the escaped slaves of uh you know czar or something like so obviously yeah um dogs of war has been talked about which i guess john you might know better than i do but they're like the mercenary yeah they're the mercenaries and it's an odd idea to add dogs of war as an army in and of themselves because very few people actually played a proper dogs of war army they just took one or two units but if they want to put something in the border prince area i think it would be cool they could do a a make your own lord thing like they did with the the demon demon prince right uh where you sort of make your own mercenary leader and lead a company of mercenaries around burning things to the ground. Seems fun enough. It would be interesting if they used it as a way to maybe like mix and match units more. Like maybe they can get more slots to recruit from other races. Um, like lore wise, from what I understand, it's kind of like Tilia and Estalia are kind of like Renaissance Italy where they don't have standing armies. They just hire yeah, they, these... they sort of hire a bunch of mercenaries and murder yeah. each other. Um, and then obviously, I mean, Ind and Koresh are on the map. They're not traversable right now. And I guess that's very much up to Creative Assemble or uh, Games that, Workshop, whether they want to create that lore. But yeah, that would be a um, very interesting thing, seeing as those are those are two places who have never between them had more than four or five paragraphs of lore uh, in the history of Warhammer. Um, right. And that lore is is in and of itself sort of varies between like really boring obvious stereotypes and real racist so i'm not sure what they're going to do with that material which is why Um, i don't think we'll ever get i would be disappointed if they just added like tiger-headed opium nightmare as an entire faction that was that would just be very boring boring yeah yeah it's the same reason i don't think we'll ever get arapi or or nippon i mean like all the all the lore characters from Nippon are like named after Japanese car companies, from what I can tell. They are, yes. Um. So yeah, that they would need to majorly rework that. But hey, they did Cathay pretty well. I mean, I'm I'm not Chinese. I would be curious to hear how well. I will. I will no longer, Chinese frankly, rule anything do. else uh, out for this yeah. series uh, as far as them adding things. Like I, I think they can probably at this point find a way to make Arabi acceptable. 
if they're still selling DLC, I don't see any reason why they would not find ways to add more race packs. People we'll are see, still playing. We'll see what Sega so. thinks. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Um, Three Moves Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can check us out over there and uh, gander upon the uh, level sands that, that drift away that are our forums on idlethumbs.net slash 3MA. Um, uh, we're also on Twitter where we are at 3MA and the show is supported by listeners like you on patreon.com slash 3MA where you can get access to our Discord, you can get access to our bonus podcasts. Uh, Rob and Troy are doing D-Day movies this month, so that's going to be an exciting one. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Rowan, did you have anything to plug this week? Uh, you can listen to my podcast, Total Massacre. <laughs> are you guys doing anything specific for uh, this coming month that's... Uh... Well, we're doing September for this coming month, uh, doing a few Tom Cruise movies. And also it is Judgment Day and we are about to drop a T2 uh, show. All right. Nice. Um, John, you were just on. <laughs> we just recorded yesterday uh, and I asked you if you had anything to plug. Do you have anything that's a little further out that you want to plug? Uh, I'd like I'd like to plug my man, um, Village the Cursling. Who, despite being a uh, a tumor on his brother's back, really gets things done. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's he's a good lad. Um, Luke, anything going up on the site recently that you think uh, Warhammer people would be interested in? Um, absolutely not. No. So okay. go li- go listen to Rowan's podcast instead. Okay, <laughs> sounds great. Uh, yeah. So I I fairly certain this won't be the last time we discuss immortal empires but for the beta i think we're pretty positive on it and we're excited to go play more so i won't hold anyone up any longer uh so for rowan and for john um and for luke this is len saying good night <laughs>